Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Uh, But let me just set the series up for you. You know, we live in a time that's changing constantly, and we all know, just turn on the news, and there's, and in fact, you don't want to turn on the news, right? Never mind, don't turn on the news. That can be a little depressing. But you know, there's just things happening around the world, and I think that we live in a very unique generation in, in regards to the timeline of eternity. And so months ago, we planned this series to launch this series at this point in time. And since then, we've just seen a lot of things happen. That's just the course of of the world, of the earth, of the time that we live in. I think very appropriate timing. And so, you know, uh, my wife and I, in fact, as we were gone, we got the very tragic news of the things that happened in Sutherland Springs. And so our hearts were broken. We, we, we took a cruise. We, we like to cruise. We save our money. We plan ahead. We plan it way ahead to do that. But it was such a big news story, of course, but we had the news on the boat. We're trying to get bits of information as we could because we knew it was pretty close to home. And, and uh, so when we'd stop and get off somewhere, try and find an internet connection, if you will. And, and then after we got uh, home, I got a text from a family that lives in New York. And so I had a, a family member from New York text me. And the last phrase or the last sentence that he texted me was, what's this world coming to? And I thought, you know, that really is the question. What's going on in the world, right? You turn on the news, you hear something like that, and it's like, what's going on in the world? And, and, then, and the question might be, where are we in relation to the end times? And uh, that's what I kind of want to talk about the next, well, I do not kind of want to talk about the next couple of weeks. Let's look at the timeline of eternity, because there are things in the scripture we can find out, and we should never live in fear, and we should never sit idly by. There are things that we need to be doing, but the reality is we live in a unique generation, and we see these things happen, and I, I think that you would agree with me. It just seems like there's a different time that we live in. Uh, just when you look at things like hurricane after hurricane, and at the same time, earthquakes, and, and tragedy, and terrorism, and all those kind of things. Again, not some Something that we should be fearful of because we're in the world but not of the world and the Bible says that we're to understand the time so we know what to do and so we're going to look at the scripture this morning and take a look at those things because they're happening around about us so let's start here in first uh, let's start here in Matthew 24 36 let me start right here I want to let you know something Matthew 24 36 but about that day the last day the coming of Christ the return of Jesus about that day or hour no one knows let me tell you no one knows when Jesus is coming again don't get caught up in all the people that proclaim that they do, profess that they do. Don't buy their books. Don't you know, go subscribe to their podcasts or whatever. That's a waste of time. Nobody knows. It just doesn't get more clear than that. And if you don't understand that, then it says this, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, Jesus, but only the Father. I mean, I'm, I'm always surprised at people that think like making these predictions when Jesus doesn't even know. He's waiting for God to tell them. Now I do know this, Jesus already has the white horse saddled and he's just waiting for the word. How about now, dad? How about now, dad? How about now, dad? You know, he's ready. He's waiting for, ready for a reunion. But nobody knows. And just a a quick story, a funny story. I've shared this before. Um, In 1988, I was at Oral Roberts University. There were a couple of, John Mullins, Neil Donop, we were all there together. And uh, at that time, floating around the campus and just going around was a book called 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming Back in 1988. Who, raise your hand if you heard of that book or saw that book. Okay. Somebody's like, man, I don't want people to know I'm that old. But anyway, so there's this book and it was the hot topic around campus. And so on the day that it predicted the return of Jesus uh, was a Tuesday. And so Tuesday up at ORU, we all had chapel. Everyone had to be in chapel. It was mandatory unless you're like really sick in your room. Everybody had to be in chapel. So one guy on our wing overslept and he was up and he was in the bathroom getting ready. And then he thought it was odd that nobody else was in the bathroom. And again, being on a guy's wing, it is odd nobody's in the bathroom at that time. But anyway, so there's guys in there and he's like looking around. No one's in here. And he comes out in the hallway and starts 
starts knocking on doors. No one's opening doors. No one's responding. She's getting a little nervous. He runs downstairs in the lobby. Nobody's in the lobby. He looks out the door. No one's walking around on the campus. And he just panics and is in just fear and worry and runs all over campus, ultimately to the basketball arena where he finds us all there in chapel and just breaks down because he realized not everybody is raptured and he was left behind. It's a true story, true story, true story. And I just want to say to you, if I'm still here, the rapture hasn't happened yet because being God's favorite, I'm going first. So if I'm, you know, just, okay, just want to let you know. So if I'm not up here, ask if I've been on vacation or I've been raptured. I don't know, but anyway, so nobody knows the day or the hour, but the Bible says that we need to, can, and need to understand the time that we live in. And then we need to know what to do during that time. In fact, in Chronicles, 1 Chronicles 12 um, there's a shout out to the guys that understand the times that are happening right there. As it talks about the men of Issachar, they are men who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. There's a shout out to these men being recognized because they understood the times, not the day or the hour, but understood the times they lived in and they knew what to do. It recognizes them for understanding the times they were living in and knowing what to do. We need to know the times we're living in. We need to know what to do. And let me say this again. Here's what we don't need to be doing. We don't need to be cowering in fear. We don't need to be pulling back or drawing back from things. We don't need to be scared. We don't need to be idle or doing nothing. There's a lot of work that needs to be done. We don't need to be confused. We need to understand the unique generation that we're in. And there's a lot of things out there that will confuse us. And so we're going to take a look in the Bible and see how close we may be to the return of Christ. And the series is called this, Are We There Yet? And we're going to hopefully have a better understanding at the times and also know what we are to be doing. And so uh, let me, let me tell you about our belief real quick. You need to know this, our statement of faith, you may or may not know this. You may have gone on the website. You can go on the website and see our statement of beliefs. And you, just so you know, we as a church do believe it's one of our core principles. We do believe in the second coming of Jesus Christ. We do believe he is coming again to take his church or his bride to heaven. You need to know, you may not agree with that, that's okay, we'll look in the scripture, but that is a core value here. We believe Jesus is coming again, that's going to happen, he's going to return. Some generation will be the one to see it happen, some generation will be alive on the earth when Jesus returns. Look at Acts 1, 9 through 11, Acts 1, 9 through 11. And this is after Acts 1-8, where Jesus gives the instructions to go to Jerusalem, wait for the Holy Spirit to come, be empowered to be my witnesses on the earth. After he said that, after Jesus gave those instructions, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside him. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? And if I was there, I just said, um... Did you not see that guy just floating up in the air? Or is <laughs> like, why would we not be looking at this? Did you pass him on your way down? You might, you might have. This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him go into heaven. He will come back again. In fact, it says in the same way, that happened on the top of Mount, the Mount of Olives overlooking the city of Jerusalem. He's gonna return, the Bible says, to the same place. It's gonna happen again. Jesus is coming again. And so uh, Jesus tells us that he's coming back. We see this. And they're like, why are you standing there? You have work to do. You have things you need to be doing before he comes again. And look what Jesus says, because the Bible has a lot to say about this, and we need to understand it. He says this in Luke 21, 25 to 28. He says this, there will be signs. Listen to what he's saying. There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. Come on. 
right? Total eclipses, blood moons, harvest moons. You see every time one of those things is talked about on the news, then you see all the people predicting returns of Christ and talk about tying it to biblical prophecy. You see all that. There'll be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. On earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the seas. How many hurricanes did we just see? After hurricane, after hurricane, after hurricane. People will faint from terror, terrorists, terrorism, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, threat of nuclear war, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. Earthquakes just in Mexico City not long ago. Iran, Iraq, happening more and more frequently. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When we see these things begin to take place, run in fear, lock your door, don't go outside, hide. No, stand up, lift up your head because your redemption is drawing near. We don't hide in fear. It should motivate us, it should motivate us, it should excite us. There is work to do before he comes again. So we need to understand that. We don't live, we're in this world, but we're not of this world. Jesus is coming back and we could be the generation that sees it. And now I know this excites some of you, but it also probably makes some of you a little nervous, perhaps even frightens some of you. I don't know what feeling you're feeling right now, but let me just help you out with your nerves a little bit. I'm reminded of a story about two pastors, a Baptist pastor and a Methodist pastor. They pastored churches across the street from each other. And then one day they went out to put signs out in front of their church. The Baptist pastor got there, started pounding the sign in and in the, in the, the grounds, or, or the, the grass out in front of the street, in his church, in front of his church in the street. And it said, the end is near. The Methodist pastor started pounding a sign in the ground that says, turn yourself around before it's too late. About the time they finished, a guy came speeding by in his car, rolled the window down, yelled at him, you bunch of crazy religious fanatics. And he sped around the corner and all the pastors heard was screeching of brakes and then a big splash. And one pastor said to the other one, you think our sign should have just said the bridge is out? <laughs> so anyway, okay. Just need to lighten the mood a little bit. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we living in the last days? Is this it? Many generations thought that their generation could be the one to see the return of Christ. I believe we need to plan like it's 100 years away in the sense of continue to build, continue to reach people, continue to move ministry forward, and live like it'll be today. And live like he's coming today. As I've already said, we're in a unique time, a unique generation with, with the end time narrative, if you will, and what gener- what some of the things that make this generation unique, other generations didn't have. Let me give you a couple examples. Number one, worldwide satellite technology. And you can see uh, a passage in Revelation 11, how this plays into the end time narratives. There's never been a time i never been a generation before our generation that's had the kind of technology that we have access to. And this is important in the last day's timeline because during the tribulation period, which this is addresses, which is a seven-year period of God's uh, judgment or punishment, the church, I believe, will already be taken away. I believe that. And you may hear things like pre-trib, post-trib, all that kind of thing. But I believe God's church is going to be taken away and not experience that wrath, if you will. And so it says during that time, however... There's two witnesses that will come back to the earth to preach. Many scholars believe they'll be, it'll be Moses and Elijah. They'll come back to preach. And then the Antichrist, if you mean with those terms, and the beast will, after three and a half years, will overpower them and murder them. And the Bible says that their bodies will lay in the street for three and a half days. And it says this, and every nation, tribe, language, people will see them. With worldwide satellite technology available to this generation like never before, 
the whole world could see them at one time, right? You couldn't have before, but now the whole world has access to be able to see those things at the same time. The Bible says they will be seen by, in three and a half days, every tribe, language, people will see them. Uh, Let me give you another one, worldwide financial technology. You can read later Revelation 13. Revelation 13 says that here you see the Antichrist has brought the world together, has created a one world currency. We see that happening, a one world currency coming. We've seen that in Europe and other places. And it'll be the way that they buy and sell goods. The Bible says you'll have to have what is called, if you've heard this phrase, the mark of the beast. You can again look that up. If you have that, you can buy and sell during that time. And the mark of the beast will go either in your hand or on your forehead. That's what the scripture says. And we've already seen that technology today. In fact, you can go back to July of 2017 and read an article in the New York Times about that technology, a company in Wisconsin giving their employees putting a chip in their hand that they can use. In fact, you can Google it. I watched videos on it. They called it a chip party. The Today Show did a big special on them, the chip party. In fact, one guy had this chip inserted in his hand in their break room at the vending machine. He bought a Kit Kat by putting his hand up at the, at the, at the machine right there. Now, let me ask you this. How many of you have chips in your pets, your dogs or your cats? Right? Come on, let me have that. Yeah. Well, dogs or cats, I mean, you know, they're going to be here during the tribulation. <laughs> but uh, anyways, <laughs> they're going to be part of it. I don't know. They're just going to be part of it. I don't know. That technology is already in use. This is a generation that sees all those things happening. You can check that out for yourself. You can take a look for yourself. That technology is already here. And let me give you this other thing. This is a bit more encouraging. Uh, what the Bible says you'll see in the last days is worldwide evangelism. Worldwide evangelism. Let's take a look at Matthew 24, 14. Here's what it says. Matthew 24, 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. If you're wondering when Jesus is coming and people are predicting now, the whole world has not had the opportunity to hear the good news preached yet. So that alone should tell you that that guy's prediction's off. But we live in a generation where that's possible because of technology. But listen, let's understand this scripture a little bit better. That word, it says, and all nations will hear. That's not talking about the 130, 193, 194 geographic boundary countries. That word, um, all nations, is the Greek word ethnos, meaning people groups. There are 17,000 people groups on the planet. 10,000 of them have a Bible, a church, and a missionary or minister, a gospel presence. 7,000 of them we call unreached people groups. They're not reached yet. They don't have a Bible. They don't have a church. They don't have a clear gospel witness. And can I say, that's why we are currently, for the last two years, actively, strategically targeting an unreached people group. One third of the unreached people groups in the world are in India. And the majority of that one third lie in the state that we currently are supporting the Namadi unreached people group. We're fully supporting 10 missionaries. And just so you know, we'll give you a report at the end of the year. We get kind of annual reports. We haven't had the 2017 one yet, but as of last year, that there were already 10 churches established or congregations established, 20 villages had a ministry or gospel presence and another 30 were opened up. They started opening those up. So what you don't know, you will know, is the money has already come in to the church without having trying to raise it, where we will be building currently, they have the money over there building the very first church building for that unreached people group there in India. Yeah. 
I'm excited for the end of the year report. God's doing great things. Your generosity and your giving is targeting and reaching an unreached people group where there's no Bible, no church, no gospel presentation. Now this one group is being reached because of your generosity. And let me say this, 4% of missions money from America, 4% of the mission money coming from America goes to unreached people groups that have no Bible, no church, no gospel witness. I don't understand that. So we're redirecting things so we can have a greater opportunity to invest in the unreached groups around the world so that they can have the good news. Amen? And so now we want to let you know about that. Great things are going on through your generosity. So um, the return of Christ should do a couple things for us. I hope this excites you and motivates you, but the return of Christ should do a couple things for us. Number one, Jesus' return should comfort us. How should I feel about this? What's going on? Well, let me say this. We live in a world that is heartache everywhere, pain and disappointment. In fact, I, a lot of you experience things I, I don't even know and have not experienced. And we talk with people all the time, uh, home goings or miscarriages or, or diagnoses and things like that, that we live in a world that there's just a lot of pain, hurt, and disappointment in. So the return of Jesus should comfort us. Because we're believing God for earth miracles. And this Wednesday night, coming up Wednesday night, the Wednesday night series has been on faith. This coming Wednesday night, we're going we're gonna to lay hands on the sick. We're asking you all to bring the people that are sick or hurting and come. Well, we're going to pray for the sick because we believe that God is a miracle-working God. And he still does earth miracles today. He still does earth miracles today. And we're believing for that. But the greatest miracle of all is the heaven miracle. That some glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away to heaven. Ultimately, for a believer, it's, it's a win-win if you get an earth miracle or if not, you're in heaven. We win no matter what. We, we're believing for that. So all the disappointment and pain and heartache, I know those are real things I've experienced in myself. But be comforted in knowing that one day Jesus is coming again. And one day we will find ourselves with no Jesus in heaven. That's comforting to those of you that have had pain and heartache and heartbreak just in this room, and many of you I know. Be comforted knowing that Jesus is coming again. This life is temporary. And can I say this? Earth, even on its best day, is nothing compared to heaven. Hey, listen, we live in the greatest country on the planet. We live in the greatest state in that country. Amen, yeah. Hey, that's right. But at the end of the day, it's still Texas. It's not heaven. It's close. <laughs> no, I'm just, no, I'm just, heaven, right? Heaven miracle. First Thessalonians 4, 15 through 18 says this. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left, there'll be people alive and people on the planet when Jesus comes until the coming of the Lord will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. Even when it talks about death for a believer, it just talks about sleep. It's temporary. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Goes on to say this, after that, we who are still alive and are left that will be on the planet will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. There is a reunion coming and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with the return of Jesus. Encourage each other, no matter how bad it gets, he's coming. No matter how painful it is, he's coming. We encourage each other. We don't run in fear. We don't get confused. We don't sit idly by. We encourage each other. The word that you, we read in there, caught up, the word caught up in the Greek means to snatch suddenly. In the Latin, it's the word rapture. That's the word rapture comes from, that this church will be caught up, snatched suddenly. Right before the tribulation, I believe that God's going to snatch his church out. 
and we'll meet the Lord in the air and we'll be reunited with our loved ones. Number two, Jesus' return prepares us. It prepares us. God wanted you to know he's coming back so you know what to do before he does. In fact, if you study the scripture out, there's over 300 references in the New Testament about the end times of the return of Christ. 216 of the 260 chapters in the New Testament talk about end times or return of Christ. 23 of 27 New Testament books talk about end times or the return of Christ. God has a lot to say about it on purpose so you're not confused or scared, but you should be prepared. 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 through 4 says this. Now, brothers and sisters, speaking to Christians, now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates we do not need to write you about. We can't because we don't know when he's coming. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying, now these are non-Christians, while people are saying, there'll be people saying, peace and safety, everything's okay, don't worry about it. Destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, Christians, Christ followers, are not in darkness so that this day should, that, so you should not be surprised when he comes like a thief in the night. We shouldn't be shocked. He's coming again. We should be prepared. How you live matters. Live prepared. We need to be reminded of it from time to time, how we live matters. And number three, Jesus' return focuses us. We need to be refocused from time to time. First Thessalonians 5, 5 through 6 says this. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. We're different. We're in this world, but not of this world. So then let us not be like the world. Let us not live like others, let's make sure we're focused on who we are and not compromise or not be lazy. Let's make sure we're focused who are like those who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. Let's be alert to what's going on. Let's be focused. Are we there yet? Are we living in the last days? I'm living in mine. <laughs> I just hit 50 and it's not about being 50, but if Jesus could come in a hundred years from now but come on, our time on the planet's limited. So the reality is, we are living in our last days. Life is but a vapor. And if we knew he was coming in a year, how would we live? So if the answer to that is yes, then yes, we're living in the last days. We should live that way, is my point, right? Because our life is temporary. He may come in a hundred years from now. He may come in a day from now. But we have temporary time on the planet until he comes. So we need to live like it's today. We need to live like it's today and do what, what we've been equipped to do. And let us be sober, the Bible says. Jesus said this in Matthew 24, 37 through 44, New Living Translation. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in the day in Noah's day. Remember why Noah had to build the ark? Because the earth was so evil and immoral. Kind of sounds like the days we're living in today a little bit. Evil and immoral. So God brought that, but he promised not to handle it that way again. But we live in days like Noah's days. In those days before the flood, people were enjoying banquets, parties, weddings, right up to the time Noah entered the boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. Then it's too late for them. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. Two men will be working together in the field. One will be taken up, the other's left. Two women will be grinding flour at the mill. One will be taken, the other's left. So you too must keep watch, for you don't know what day your Lord is coming. 
Listen to this. Understand this. If a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready all the time for the son of man will come when least expected. So how we live matters. What are we doing? Are we there yet? Are we in the last days? Well, we're in our last days. We all have things to do, so let's be on mission. So we looked at Paul's, some writing from Paul. We looked at Jesus' writing. Let's look at some writings from Peter. Peter writes about what to do. I'm gonna give you three things here as we close from the writings of Peter. Number one, I should think clearly. There's a lot of stuff out there today, a lot of confusion, a lot of false doctrine, a lot of things happening, a lot of watering down belief systems, a lot of legislating of things that really don't line up with the word of God, but we need to be thinking clearly, be sober-minded. In fact, 1 Peter 4, 7 says this, the end of all things is near. So he's talking about the writing is the last days, talking about the end of the times. The end of all things is near. So here's our writing in our passage. Therefore, be alert and be of sober mind. Another translation says, think clearly so that you may pray. Pray is our, our key word right there. Pray, that's the key. Prayer is the key to your sober-mindedness. Prayer is the key to your clear thinking. So you don't get confused and you don't get scared. You need to be a person of prayer. Prayer is a a realignment. Prayer is putting things in proper perspective. When you spend time in prayer, you are realigned to think like heaven, not like earth. When we come to church like this and we come and we enter into worship, we had an amazing worship time and we sit and we study the word together and then we pray. It is a time for us not to tell God about earth, but God to tell us about heaven. Why? So we can get our proper thinking again. So we don't get caught up in all the confusion and all the false things that are going on and live in fear, live in worry, or live in compromise. So we need to be people of prayer. Why? Because it helps us realign our thinking so we can be sober-minded and think clearly. The Bible says when we pray, we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. We have a heavenly perspective. Colossians says, set your mind on things above, not things of the earth. The proper perspective. We need to pray and keep our mind clear and keep it on heavenly things. Number two, I should focus on relationships. I should focus on relationships. What does that mean? I should focus on people. I focus on people. Why? Because people matter. What matters the most? People. People. How do you know people matter the most? Because they're the only thing that can go to heaven. You realize everything else gets burned up on this earth. Everything else. But people are the only ones, only things we can say it that way that go to heaven. People matter most. People last forever. People last forever. Everything else is temporary. I should focus on people. We care about people. We care about people. Like we just talked about, we care about the unreached people in India. We care about the people that we're doing work with in Mexico. We care about the people in Cambodia and China where we work. We care about people here. So we help 500 families have boxes of food. We care about the people here. So we're providing 6,500 meals or working with people that do. We care about people. So we're making sure kids have a Christmas. We care about people in Houston and Victoria recovering from Hurricane Harvey. We care about people in Sutherland Springs, so we sent resources to help them and be a blessing. We care about each other. That's why we have groups. That's why we have community groups. That's why we have small groups. One of our community groups, someone had a baby. The community group rallied around and brought meals. Why? Because they care about each other. Another community group, a family had a teenage daughter that ended up in the hospital. What happened? The community group surrounded them with love and support. Why? We care about people. We care about each other. We focus on people. What we're to do. 
And that's why we all need to be in groups, community groups and life groups, so we can care for one another. We care about people, get in one. God never intended for you and I to live life alone. And if you try and live life alone, you've already experienced that it will tear you up. We need each other because there'll be a day. First Peter four, eight through nine says this. Above all, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Care for people. Focus on people. Number three, I should make a difference. What should I do? According to Peter in these last days, what should I do? I should make a difference. Watch what Peter says when telling us what we should do when the end of all things is near. First Peter 4, 10 through 11, continue on the passage. Each of you, should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. That's why you have a gift. That's why you have abilities. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. Not a church may be lifted up. Not a man would be lifted up, but God will be lifted up. Make a difference and serve. Use your gift so God can be glorified. Why? Because Jesus is coming soon and people need to know that there's a God in heaven that loves them. To him be the glory and power forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. Amen. Today in Growth Track, step three was helping you discover your spiritual gifts. Next week, I would encourage you to go. If you haven't gone, step four is how to get connected, how to serve, get plugged in. You have a unique contribution to this great mission that we're on with God. You have a part to play in these end times. All of it's for Jesus, not for a purpose. I'm not for a church or for a man. And let me give you this lastly. So what do we do? Live for heaven. We don't run and hide in fear. We don't sit idly by. We don't live in confusion or darkness. We live for heaven, not for earth. We're here temporarily. Life is but a vapor. We're just passing through pilgrims and aliens passing through the scriptures to strangers. Don't get distracted and focus on things of the earth. Focus on things of heaven. Stand for truth. What should I do? Stand for truth. Can I tell you if there ever was a day to stand for truth? It's today. Make up your mind not to sit on the fence. Make up your mind not to serve God one day and serve the world one day. Don't serve God one day and serve the world one day. Take a stand for truth. Our time is short. Preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. And use words if necessary. That means live your life in a way that reflects the love of the Father. Anywhere you can, everywhere you can, preach the good news of Jesus. Here, your neighborhood, your school, your work, Mexico, India, Seguin, San Marcos, New Braunfels, San Antonio, Cibolo shirts, everywhere you can. Preach the gospel. Let your life be a test. Why? Time is short. Well, why is he coming today? I don't know, but we need to live like he is. And finally, prepare to meet Jesus. Make sure your life's in order. Prepare to meet Jesus because he's coming again. And I'm going to say this. I've already gone over my time. Just help, just give me a few more minutes. I heard this example one time. Jesus is the groom. We know that to be, and he's coming for his bride, the church. And so we haven't got to that time in life. I remember my own wedding and the planning and the preparation for it. Be prepared to meet the groom. We'll say it that way, because that really is what's going to happen. What would we do in our preparation to meet the groom? And I just want you to think and ponder this for a second, because it really struck me. I wanted to share it this morning. Because when the bride's getting ready to meet her groom, she doesn't date other people.
I mean, she, she doesn't. She doesn't. And then we could use that example for so many things, but that's the reality of how we live in our life in, in, in relationship to the groom that's coming to get us. And, and so we need to be prepared. And I hope you hear my heart in that. I don't mean that hard or judgmental. To me, that just was such a profound truth. I, I just really felt to share today. It struck me the way it struck you. And so I want to encourage you in that. Those are things that we need to be prepared to meet Jesus. Why? He's coming again, so live for him now. Let's be people of prayer so we can be more focused than ever. Let's be more focused on people than ever before. That's why we're ramping up outreach so we can reach and reach more people. And let's make the biggest difference we can while we can. Because I don't know when he's coming in, but I know that we're in a unique time no other generation has ever seen. And we need to live like it. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. My heart, my hope today in launching this series, the message today was to motivate us, excite us perhaps. And I don't know how the information struck you, but my heart is that it will help us get our life in order with God and make the most of our time on this planet so that we can help other people not get left behind. That we can help other people know that there's a God in heaven that loves them. So it begins with having a relationship with Jesus. That's the starting point for everybody. So the chance there's someone here this morning that does not remember a moment in time that they purposely, intentionally invited him in. Today is your day. Today's your day. If you've not made a commitment for Jesus, if you've not asked him to come in, extended the invitation, if you think you have, or you've been in church your whole life, or maybe one summer at grandma's, you can be sure today to give your heart to Christ. And when you do that, then you'll be assured that he's coming to get you. So if you're here today and you cannot remember a moment in time, or maybe you think you did, but you're not sure, then I'll extend that invitation to you. In just a moment, I'm going to pray a commitment prayer. Not going to have you stand, not going to have you come up front. In fact, we're all going to pray the prayer together. But if that's you and you would say, Pastor, I want to make sure, I want to extend the invitation. I want to make sure. If that's you this morning and you'd say, Pastor, could you include me in that prayer? Let me just simply see your hand. Let's see that hand. Go ahead, put the hand up. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Who else? Thank you, thank you. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. Most importantly, God sees those hands. Amen, God bless you, amen. All right, if you're here this morning and you'd say, Pastor, could you include me in that prayer? I've kind of wandered away from the things of God. I've prayed that prayer before, but I've wandered away. I've gotten off course, off track. Maybe you need to make a course adjustment. Get back on track with the things of God. We would say rededicate, recommit. If that's you this morning and you know you need to take a moment to rededicate, recommit, get back on track with the things of God. And you'd say, Pastor, could you include me in that prayer? Let me simply see your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hands all over. Amen. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. All right, put your hands down. Look up for just a moment. As I said, we're going to pray a commitment prayer. But the power in the commitment prayer is attaching your heart to it. When you attach your heart to it, God does what only he can do. Change and transform you from the inside out. The Bible says, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth and you shall be saved. So whether you raise your hand or not, let's all pray this prayer together. And as we do so, let's pray it from our heart and let God be God and change us from the inside out. Let's pray. Repeat this after me from your heart. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus is your son sent to the earth to die on a cross to pay for my sin and then go to a grave and rise again in victory. Jesus, thank you for coming. Thank you for dying. Thank you for paying for my sin and thank you for rising again so I can be free. So Jesus, I ask you now, come into my heart, come into my life, forgive me of my sin, be my Savior and Lord now and forever. I receive you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God's a good and faithful God. Amen. Amen. 
We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.